This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Hey, welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I am here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing swell. I'm on vacation. <laughs> so And you're working. And I'm working. <laughs> so but it's like not really work. It's it's still nice. It's like my little hobby. So I'm not mad about it. Good. I'm a little jealous that you're somewhere warm and we're gonna have a snow rain thing tonight. Yeah, I heard about that. Um I wouldn't say don't be too, too jealous, but yeah, you guys are going to have that wind or that snowstorm. Uh, it's like maybe like 50 degrees here. So like I've been, I packed all shorts, all tank tops, and I've been really cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I really did not yesterday too. Yeah. So... It's not like I'm sitting on a beach in a bikini. That's not like that type of weather. That's what I was imagining for you. (laughs) No. No. All right. I don't have any new news since I've been away. I haven't been keeping up, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I don't know if you have anything. Um... People have been really crazy lately. There was a shooting on College Ave. And then oh, there wow. was a shooting on the highway. How does that even happen? How did that work? How do you shoot out in the highway? I don't know. This girl's car got shot seven times on the highway with a 22. Like on That's 41 by so... Richmond. That's crazy. At I don't know morning. how. Why are you that mad at 7 a.m.? That's exactly what I said. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm barely awake. I definitely wouldn't have like any aim at 7 o'clock in the morning. Like be in my zone trying to trying to wake up. Yeah, I would like (laughs) I would be like, I need my coffee and then maybe two hours later I'm gonna be an actual person, but not at 7 a.m. Yeah. No, it's too, there's no way. It's too early for violence at 7 a.m. Let's just, can we commit to that rule? Yeah, I agree to that. <laughs> no violence before noon. No. <laughs> um, wow, that's, that's crazy. All I, I can't that's believe all I got. People are that. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and the one on College Ave, there was like a okay, fight well, between those are really people. good things to bring. Yeah. What? Okay, yeah, it started, oh this, this is the news story I saw. The police called in a report of a fight of 20 people. And it wasn't downtown. Yeah. It was, like, by Little Caesars on college. And there was a fight with oh, 20 people. Yeah. There was shots fired and 
somebody got shot, but they're not dead, but they got shot. Because I saw the police oh in the morning, God. and I went to get my groceries, and they had, like, it all taped off, and, like, you know, the, have you ever seen the Outagamie County crime scene van? No. It looks like an old Scooby-Doo van, except for it's just white, but it's, like, that old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, comical. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That sounds very intense. Like, I wouldn't even know who I'd be punching in a, in a group of 20 people. I'd just be, like, throwing hands yeah. all over the place. Like, yeah. how do you even fight? <laughs> you just hit everyone. <laughs> Everybody has a black eye. <laughs> it probably <Wow>. did. <laughs> okay, well, all that's right. good. Uh, that was a really good intro. <laughs> my random stories from the scanner page <laughs> yeah i appreciate them yeah, but i'm ready for you. something interesting okay today i'm telling the story of the disappearance and murder of evan young from milwaukee wisconsin okay. he was also known as the rapper young lt young was transgender and some papers have aired and used the wrong pronouns for him and use his birth name oh. to describe him and we're not going to do that. No. But that was so disrespectful. So Young lived his yes. life completely as a male. And okay, I don't know why the news outlets, especially if you're looking for somebody. Right. You describe them as a woman to when they live as correct. a man. Yeah. Yeah. It was bogus. But. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. It was. So my sources for today are thecharlieproject.org, thetransadvocate.com, and the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. In January of, you hear my dogs? <laughs> I can't hear them. Okay, good. <laughs> In January of 2013, Young was 22 years old. He was an up-and-coming rapper who had his music on Reverb Nation, and he was doing local shows and working on an album. He lived with his roommate, Billy Griffin, in an apartment on 52nd in West Custer. January 1st of 2013 would be the last day that anyone would see Young alive. By January 2nd, Young's mother became concerned because he had not called when he was supposed to, and he had missed a shift at work. So then she went and reported him missing. And then Young's mother, of course, contacted the roommate, Billy. And Billy said he saw Young get in the car with an unknown person. And that car was a Chevy Impala. Said that he got in the car with them at 10.45 p.m. on January 1st and never returned. So Young's family jumped into action quickly. They became began spreading flyers around town and contacting the news stations. When the Milwaukee news stations gave the cases little attention, Young's mother reached out to the Chicago news stations to get more coverage. For some reason, Milwaukee barely was covering the story at first. Mm. But there were other stories of missing people that were out at the same time that were getting a lot of coverage. Okay. And like so the same kind of was it, I guess, different types of people that were getting more 
coverage or kind of the same like him like a missing white college kid okay that's that was was, getting I was like how do I put this politely (laughs) we don't have to be polite on our own podcast (laughs) (laughs) thank you for the reminder (laughs) we don't give a fuck (laughs) we do not yeah so they basically said it seems like the white college kid was getting more news coverage than well, he was. You think he's like a double minority? Because yeah, he's black and trans, right? So that's two things basically, which it shouldn't be, but working against him. Yeah. Well, once the news stations like caught on that he was trans and that. That was, like, more sexy is the word that somebody used for the news. Like, that sold more stories. Like, they got more interest in the story. Then they ran with that okay. and started pushing the story more. That's that's not sexy to be trans, oh. but okay. But, like, yeah, that's what something I read somewhere is, like, yeah, once they realized that he was trans and not just a Black rapper from Milwaukee that was missing... Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Then it became more interesting for the suburban community is how it was written. Okay. Yeah. So after after they started getting some news coverage and they were going around putting the flyers up, they also were going to his house trying to figure out what's going on. So when Young's mother was at the home of her son and Billy, she found a cell phone on the ground near where Young had allegedly gotten in the car with the unknown person. Okay. So she she picked up the phone and she observed that the last call made on the phone was on January 1st. And sounds like she did a little bit of her own investigation and then... Within about a week, she took the phone over to the police, like, you're going to need to go through this phone. And the police were able to determine that the phone belonged to Victor Stewart and Ashante McAllister. Then police began to realize that Victor Stewart was also a suspect in the theft of his wife's Impala on the very day that Young went missing. Yeah. Yeah. Stewart's wife would eventually admit that she was angry because Stewart took her car on January 1st and he didn't return until 6 a.m. on January 2nd and it caused her to miss work. So she had called the car and stolen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And she was obviously completely fed up because she also told the authorities (laughs) the car smelled strongly of bleach. Oh. And that there was a bleach bottle in the car and that she had put it in the house underneath the sink because she didn't want the bleach bottle in the car with the kids. So right. So oh then she God. she gave the police the bleach bottle. Wow. She was do- Yeah, that's why I said she was all the She's way for Not messing around. No. <laughs> She's like, you're going to jail for stealing my car. And whatever else is going on, I'm done with you. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going down for this. (laughs) No. I wouldn't have either. Yeah, no. So they found Stuart's prints in the car. 
and on the bleach bottle, confirming that whatever yeah. was going on, he was a part of. Mm-hmm. I imagine mm-hmm. her like putting gloves yeah. on before she touched anything. <laughs> yeah, she's too smart for that. <laughs> yeah. So then Young's brother, who was named Javon, went to talk to Billy Griffin, the roommate, about his brother's disappearance. Like, you know, you tell me more about what happened with this situation. What do you mean my brother mm-hmm. just got in the car with somebody and disappeared? So right. Billy told him more of the story, and he described the clothing that Young was wearing when he left, including a jacket. And then Young's family was back at the house going through the closet, and they realized that the jacket that he described was still in the closet. So he clearly wasn't wearing the jacket when he left. Right. So when the family all got together and talked about it, they realized like something's not right in this situation. Mm-hmm. So they went back to talk to Billy and be like, hmm, you're leaving something out here. But when they got there, the police were already there. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And Billy was visibly scared when the police were there. And the family witnessed the police searching the home, cutting pieces out of the basement wall, and searching with black lights. Mm-hmm. Like a whole episode of CSI is going on when they go over there to confront him. Yeah, I would live for that. I can't imagine. Like, you're looking for somebody and you walk into that. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah. So authorities had been piecing the puzzle together behind the scenes, and they had come to the conclusion that Young was a victim of gang-related violence. While many had feared that Young's disappearance was related to his trans status, a different story began to surface. Apparently, Billy Griffin the roommate, used to be associated with the Black P-Stones gang and his cousin, Victor Stewart, the car stealer guy, Mm -hmm. was the the general of the gang. And Ashante McAllister was the second in command. And then there's going to be another party around Joseph Allen was the third in command. So, this is where the story starts. Somewhere before January... McAllister told Stewart the organization needed money. And he suggested that they rob Stewart's cousin, Billy. So Stewart apparently said, okay, let's go rob him. So they want to go rob the house. And at the time, Young Mm -hmm. was home. And he is like, okay, come in. Just don't take my shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is their story. So so they came in and they stole a bunch of Billy Griffin's things. Okay. Like music equipment and stuff, stole all his stuff. And didn't steal any of Young's stuff. So then on January 1st, they were all over at back at Billy's house, drinking and smoking marijuana. And Young was there too at this time. So they're all at this gathering. And then for some reason, Stuart thought he needed to fill Griffin in on what happened. Like, oh, we tried to rob you and your friend yeah, let why, us. Why would, why would he do that? Why would he tell him that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I can't figure yeah, that out. 
I mean, I've one time when I was young, I egged somebody's house and I never told them that I, I was the one who did it. So no. I feel like those are things that you keep to yourself. Right. That was a very confusing part of the story. Yeah. You're going to be like, you can't trust this dude. He's not loyal to you because I robbed your house and he let me. <laughs> no, sir. That doesn't create a bond of trust. <laughs> I'd have like, more questions. of you could be trusted. Yeah. I'd but, like, be like, you okay, can all get out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. So then he told Young that he needed to confess his role in the burglar of, burglary of Griffin's things. And apparently he did. So then we're going to go into the crime okay. part. So trigger warning for all kinds of violence. Oh, God. Okay. So then, yeah. So then Young apparently confessed to allowing them to burglarize the house, mm-hmm. which I'm still not understanding why he's the person at fault in this situation. But McAllister right. no. and Allen then began to beat Young. Then Stewart shot his pistol into the floor as a demonstration of authority. And then Alan McAllister and Seabury took Young into the basement. And McAllister was reportedly the most violent. But then Alan took a chain and strangled him until he was like, oh, my God. And then he left to get supplies to clean up the murder. And while he was gone, McAllister shot Young in the head three times. While he was dead? Yeah, they said he strangled him, and then Alan left to go yep. get the supplies. Like, he realized he killed him. He went to get supplies to clean it up. And then the other guy shot him three times. That makes no sense. That guy seems just like he's out there doing randomness. Yet yeah, none of it makes any sense. No. At all. Mm-mm. But the ev- The investigators were able to find evidence to support the story. They found duct tape with Stewart's fingerprints in the basement of Griffin and Young's home, as well as eight blood splatters on the basement walls, floors, and and a bucket, and the blood all came back to Young. And then Griffin had reported that the group had disposed of Young in a dumpster. And in the dumpster, the police located a chain burned clothing and evidence that somebody had started a fire in the dumpster. Uh, yeah. But they never found him. Oh, not even like, so the, the fire dumpster, the dumpster fire was mm-hmm. not, did not have him in it. No. They what said did they even that- burn? They searched the landfill in Menominee Falls for, like, three days. Yeah. And they weren't able to find him. But I'm really confused about how the chain and the clothing were still in there. Like, right. clothing and a chain, but he was not. And he's never been found. Wow. So, mm-hmm. do you question the story, then? No. I just don't know how they didn't find him. Right. 
I believe that they killed him because they all told on each other. Yeah, for sure. I'm just thinking maybe it doesn't make sense the story on how he died, really. So no. I'm thinking maybe they they didn't quite tell the whole truth. Yeah. And there has been people that speculated that the crime intensified because they didn't know that he was trans. And maybe they figured that out during the murder or during the beating and then it escalated. There's no evidence of that. They've never said that, but some people have speculated that. That would be horrific. I, not that what already happened wasn't horrific, but I hope that it didn't go into a different situation because of that. Right. So then somehow police were able to tie the gun used in the murder to a different man who wasn't even there named Bruce Christopher. And he claimed not to have any affiliation with the gang besides that he knew Stuart and knew that Stuart was a member. And he denied any knowledge of the murder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Authorities believe that Young's body was taken to the Menominee Fields landfill they, I thought they tried to search for three days, but they said until mid-February. So that's like six weeks. But once you bring yeah. somebody to a landfill, there's no finding them. But I still just don't yeah. understand how the other stuff was still in the dumpster. Unless they like went to multiple dumpsters. Oh, that's a good point. And they like lied to the police about that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They didn't say the whole truth. No, there's something missing from the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if anyone does have any information about where Young's remains can be found, they should report this information to the Milwaukee Police Department. Right. So despite being unable to locate Young, the police were still able to convict people involved with his murder. So the Bruce Christopher got possession of a firearm by a felon. He got a year in prison. Billy Griffin, the roommate got charged with hiding a corpse and got sentenced to five years in prison. Five? Five years. Oh my God. Yep. Because it sounds like they said he didn't really participate, that his story is he didn't participate, but he was there. Yeah, but you're still... participated afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Then he got harboring and aiding a felon and falsifying info he got 15 months for that substantial battery and intent to do bodily harm he got 15 months and they were all consecutive so he got what's that six seven seven and a half years and he's out on supervision and moved to another state oh and then you got victor stewart's the car stealer guy. He got mm-hmm. second degree reckless homicide and got charged <laughs> or sentenced to 16 years in prison. Ashante McAllister, the one that said he shot him after he was dead, got first degree intentional homicide and he got a life sentence, but he's eligible for parole in 2066. Oh, then, wow. Yeah. Then Ron Joseph Allen got the one that strangled him got first-degree intentional homicide, a life sentence, 
and no parole. Good. He got an actual whole life sentence. And he yep. has appealed multiple times and tried to say he was scared of the other people. And oh, whatever. No. If he wouldn't have done it, they would have done it to him. And then you're in the wrong baby crowd, appeal. Yeah. And he wasn't just like a random member. Like he no. was a high ranking member. They weren't going to just murder him. No. And I feel like if you're so scared of these people, why are you surrounding yourself? Why are you ahead of, of these people? Like uh, the head of the gang, if you're so scared of them, you clearly climbed to the top doing some shit. So yeah, that's a good point. He didn't get there from his great, lovely attitude and helping acts of kindness. No, he's got to have done some shit. And I mean, to strangle a person, that is like real, that's up close and personal type of death. You don't just shoot him from a distance. Like that is, that is a heinous thing to do. And I feel like for somebody to do that is just shows you what kind of person that they are. And I don't think that fear would make you strangle somebody else. I don't think so either. Not in this situation. Like, I could be in a fearful situation where somebody's attacking me and then I would strangle them. Okay, fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's totally different. And then the last person, Devin Latrez Seabury, got second degree reckless homicide and he got uh, sentenced to eight years and he is out on supervision. Ugh. Yeah. That doesn't sit comfortably, but what we do. No, and I think, and I think he's gotten charges since then. So, oh, oh god. So I'm gonna share a link in the show notes to. All right, so I am going to share a link to his music on the show notes in case any of you want to check it out. And then if you follow the link to the Reverb Nation, you'll be able to see his album cover. And on the album cover, he has angel wings. And at first I thought that somebody made that for him afterwards. Yeah. He designed that himself before he died. And I was like, that's like a creepy premonition. For sure. Oh, wow. That's chilling. Right. Well, that's really nice that you're going to include that. I'm going to take a listen to it. Okay. And that's all I got. Well, good job. I'm glad that you told a story because I'm sure we wouldn't have heard about it or talked about it unless you brought it to light. So good job on that. Thank you. I have something kind of similar. Not really, though. Something that we haven't really, well, at least I've never heard of. Um, Have you heard of the story of Shannon Manny from Milwaukee? Okay. Um, So I'm still doing the Black History Month, and I'm focusing on uh, this uh, Black woman from Milwaukee. Uh, I got my... Uh, sources from 
Black Girl Tragic, which was a fun website. Um, Fox 6, Daily Mail, and People. So, so why I say that Black Girl Tragic is uh, very interesting is because it's basically like all, it's just a website of black women that have gone through something and are no longer here and it's focusing all on them and it goes into a lot of details about them and their lives and stuff like that so it's a it's a really good website to check out okay Alrighty, here we go are you ready ready maybe Shannon. <laughs> yeah it's kind of this is not uplifting at all so um we're just gonna dive in Shannon Manny uh, was a beautiful 21-year-old. Um, not that looks really matter in these situations, but she is like gorgeous, like beautiful, beautiful. Um, she was 5'1", so I can relate to that. Um, she had dark brown eyes and hair, and she was a junior studying to be a dental assistant at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, she was known, sometimes I teach uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, UW-Milwaukee, and then other places I see UW-Madison, but the most I've seen was Madison, so I'm just going to stick with that. So all my sources do say Madison. I did see two Milwaukee, though, which was strange. Okay. Um, she was known as a responsible person, so it was odd that she just up and vanished one day. Uh, she was just gone without a trace. Uh, so just not the type to just leave all of her responsibilities um, and just go take a trip or like just turn off her phone and just like I, I'm not going to deal with people. This was instantly noticed, big red flags, just not something that she would have done. Yeah. So nobody was able to get a hold of her and nobody was able to pinpoint where she was. And what was even stranger was that she was supposed to have picked up her brother from school, but never showed up, which, like I said before, she was very responsible. She took all of her, you know, family obligations seriously. So this was just not something that she did. And she was also expected to be at work uh, later that day, but she never showed up. And she was just not the type of girl to just do a a no call, no show. Um, so overall, this was just not something that was sitting well with her parents. So they started to grow increasingly worried. And on that Friday, April 13th of 2017, they decided to go to the Waukesha Police Department to report that their daughter was missing. So it wasn't just like, oh, she's she went out last night and she just never came back and she like it wasn't that type of situation um yeah her and her parents knew better than that so they acted quickly uh her parents then asked shannon's boyfriend quinton neal if he had seen or knew where she was going had anything um that could help them on finding her as they were super worried about her he said they had not, and when they told him that they were going to the police to report her as a missing person, 
he seemed to act suspicious and his mood shifted. He almost went like, oh, well, I don't think that's necessary. Um, she'll turn up, blah, blah, blah. So just kind of like not really emotionally there for that situation, which is yeah. weird. Super weird. He, he also declined to go with them too. And I'm sorry, but like if my husband was gone and I wasn't, I couldn't get a hold of him and his parents were like, okay, we got to go. Like, this is a serious situation. I wouldn't just be like, yeah, no, I'm good. That's right. <laughs> that's not something that you do if you care about somebody. No, you're instantly a suspect. Yes. So her parents raised their eyebrows, but didn't push it any further. And it was, ooh, um, it was known that their relationship was strange as, or strained, sorry, as they did not approve of their relationship. So they already were like, okay, well, I don't like you. That kind of vibe. Mm. So investigators did have a silver lining after being able to access shannon's apple watch so thank you technology because it really came in clutch for this situation uh and it showed that she and quentin spoke near the time she fell off the face of the earth uh Mm. so not good it showed that quentin asked her to come to his home in the neighborhood near 76th and townsend and she replied that she was almost there Authorities became suspicious of the boyfriend and obtained a search warrant for his home after realizing that they saw each other on the last night that anybody ever heard from her again. Yeah. Um, and their suspicions were confirmed after they performed their black light procedure. Quote, the room lit up like it was a disco club made for a black light, end quote. So parents oftentimes know best and their little voice in their head that said that's not right definitely led to something so they found blood stains in the bathtub a bucket the walls and at the top of the basement stairs and according to cbs 58 during an interview with quentin he admitted that shannon had come to his house and that the two had it an argument and according to the criminal complaint quentin claimed that she took the gun and a knife from the kitchen and tried to pull the trigger which didn't go off quentin then shot her twice in the head which caused her to fall down the basement stairs he said that she then came at him again so he took the knife and cut her so i want to ask you what you think of that situation that he basically said happened it sounds like bullshit how do you shoot yes, somebody and then and then they come back up the I, stairs i know I, he's not a zombie last, i know my my next line was this is bullshit this is not that's not what happened no so then he he ultimately admitted that he put her in a garbage bag then stuffed her into a suitcase and took her into a storage locker Authorities were led to the storage locker where they found her, their body, her body bound and gagged in duct tape. Does that sound like an accidental or maybe like an argument gone bad situation? 
No, it sounds like he probably tied her up before he shot and stabbed her. That's exactly right. So what makes me question his entire story is the fact that Shannon's hands, eyes, and feet were bound or with tape and a babe yeah. was over her head. It just makes me feel like she was still alive. And I also found in my sources that he actually did not own the gun that he used to murder Shannon, but he actually borrowed it from a friend. And then when he was done using it that night, he gave it back. Wow. So it's just, it's not looking good, really. And it's Did he borrow it before she got there or while she was there? It It didn't say, but I think what kind of triggered me was the fact that he gave it back to them, to him right away or whoever it was. Kind of yeah. like he he was done with it now, you know? Yeah. That just didn't sit well with me. Um, so she had been shot in the head, obviously, and then had been stabbed with multiple sharp objects. And it was a lot of in the throat area. So that was disturbing. And what was even more tragic is that Shannon was pregnant. She was four months pregnant. And both she and the baby did not survive. Um, Quentin also told investigators where to find Shannon's phone and purse as he disposed of them in a pond and in the other was disposed of in a gas station garbage can. Um, <clears throat> just, I, I honestly could not believe that I never heard of this before. A, a pregnant woman who was brutally murdered in 2017 and was bound and stuffed in a garbage bag in a storage locker. How did that not hit everybody's news feed? How did that not hit everybody's channel, what they watch? It just it profoundly shows how unreported and how limited these stories go without being yeah. told and it's just so sad to me it is because i never heard about this mm-hmm. and not that like i said before not that it matters but like typically beautiful women if they're in some sort of situation like this there you can't get your eyes off of their pictures because they're posted blasted everywhere right yeah she, I never seen a picture of her before until this, which just shows the biases in news, honestly. Mm-hmm. So Quentin Neal was then held on a $500,000 bond under several murder charges, including first degree intentional homicide and first degree intentional homicide of an unborn child. My theory was maybe they just found out she was pregnant and they were fighting over that and maybe he didn't want it and then that's why he took extra steps to making sure she was not alive because you know stabbing and and shooting and cutting somebody's throat is like you that's a lot to do to somebody to make sure that they're 
Yeah. And that's not any kind of random self-defense bullshit story that he had. No, absolutely not. So obviously the baby was his. Um, The police did do, um, or not the police, investigators did perform DNA testing for that. So it was his baby. So he, he either didn't know that she was pregnant, but I really think that he did and maybe just found out uh a plea deal was reached on monday july 15th and quinton neal age 28 pled guilty to first degree intentional homicide and first degree intentional homicide unborn child and the death of shannon manny and her unborn baby he was then sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and the presiding judge said that he's never seen such a brutal case which is i feel like all these judges kind of say that but in this case it was really brutal so during his sentencing quentin remained silent never answering why he committed the crime he was just made out of stone and i don't know how he could have just not been like well this is what it was he was just not giving in so he ultimately just killed his partner and his child. Uh, Shannon Manny was laid to rest at Fox River Christian Church in Waukesha by a group of family and friends who came out to celebrate her life. She was so loved and her passing was a tragedy that shook her community. She was very lovable, selfless, extremely passionate, faithful, and loyal. And that was a statement from her mother, Enshu Manny. So I'm going to leave this with a quote from her mom. Um, she stated, we are celebrating her life. She wanted to change the world and wanted to make a difference. And I know she won't make a difference. All she saw in people was good. Blessings are all over us right now. I can feel that God sent her she had a purpose she served it and she's home with the lord and another thing that i thought was really heartwarming and had a little bit of irony was that shannon even had dreamt of opening up a shelter for women and children and her family hopes to open one in her honor someday as well that would be so, nice i know and like just name it after her and just bring on her legacy yeah moving forward in a positive direction um so if you are experiencing any domestic violence or abuse please contact any local agency in your area or call the national domestic violence hotline at 800-799-7233 or text start to 88788 There is no shame in reaching out for help. It takes a lot of courage to come to terms with the fact that someone you love and who is close to you is hurting you and to just seek help to get out of a situation that takes a lot of courage and strength. So that's nothing to be ashamed of or nothing to shy away from. Right. And don't go talk to them alone because they tell you whatever. Well, let's just talk and work things out. If you've been in a violent situation before, 
They send you a yeah. sappy apology. Come talk to me message. Do not do it. No. I agree. Because that's how they like hook you in. They they know what you want to hear and they will exploit you just to get what they want, whether that be another, you know, being reconciling or doing something along this the lines of what happened here yeah so that is the story of the murder of shannon manny she um went too soon her baby went too soon um but i'm hoping that she is resting somewhere beautiful yeah me too great job well heavy stuff (laughs) i know we didn't have anything to joke about today because they're very sad yeah no jokes today no okay well until next time we love you yes we do and be be safe yeah be careful because people are crazy out here people be just shooting at 7 a.m and with no purpose (laughs) no purpose i want to know what the purpose was yeah i'm I'm hoping we find out You know I looked up who it was already. (laughs) All right. I didn't find out the perimeter yet though. Okay. (laughs) All right. right. Bye. Love you. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love love you. you.